Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning. Eddie Chavez here, Jesus 911. This is our November uh, 13th show. Our uh, our fearless leader, Jess Romero, is uh, out doing some apostolic work, as he usually uh, says. So um, I want I have a very special guest. I, I've been thinking about this all night. I'm very nervous to have him at uh, my disposal. But uh, Dr. Dan Schneider, welcome to the show. Thank hey, you again for all you it, do for us. It's great to be with you, man. It's, uh, you know, we got to back the blue. This is Jesus 911. This is the the blue part of the blue army, our ladies Amen. army. We are we are the uh, the good cop, the bad cop in the field, uh, walking through the streets, trying to police up the bad stuff, the bad truth, bad ideologies, and uh, and bad bad ways of prayer, and trying to teach people how to do it right. So I, I really love and respect you guys, what you guys are doing. So it's an honor to be on your show. No, it's uh, it's great to have you here, uh, Dan. You are the author of a book. Uh, I don't think it's it's no longer new. It's been out for a while, of course, but uh, it's called the the Libra Christian. I'm going to show it, Dan, so we could all get a view of it. This, I'm sorry, this is a book. It's the uh, Libra Christo Method, a spiritual ma uh, a manual for spiritual combat. That's by Dan Snyder. And I'm sorry I had this uh, thing up here, Rich. Uh, but uh, Dan, you've been, you've been all over uh, YouTube. You've been interviewed by everybody and their grandma, really. But um, uh, what was so attractive to, why is this book attractive to former law enforcement, to first responders, ex-military, and uh, just men in general, I think, right? Yeah, I, th I think it appeals to to the census fidelium, and particularly to men, but also women that want to that want to you know buckle down uh, uh, and and prayer. You know, don't, don't forget Saint Teresa of Avila said that her, her sisters need to be barbada, bearded, like 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 warriors coming off campaign in the pursuit of virtue. And so I think it appeals to men because um, I certainly don't present a skinny jean, sugary Jesus. Um, you know, a version of the gospel. Um, I, I walk down a very practical and hopefully logical way of, of how to use and tap into the resources of the Roman Catholic faith, the weapons at our disposal. You know, sometimes in working with cases, I'll, I'll you'll say, look, we're going to work you through. And then after, after several weeks, I'll say, all right, next week, I think you're ready. We're going to go down to the range. I'm going to show you how to use these weapons. This is the language that men understand. Men understand lock and load. They understand plus P. They understand that that you can make a mistake in combat and, and or on the street and get killed. They understand teamwork. You know, you and I could go in and 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 I could do something stupid uh, uh, that I'm not, not. I don't know anything about law enforcement, so I could do something stupid, uh, kicking doors in and 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 not just get myself killed, but get you you and the rest of the team killed. And you could do something stupid on a combat team and an aircraft. You know, uh, a gunner could do something very. A pilot could make a big mistake and everybody's dead. So working as a team. Learning this is the language that men use. Uh, so I tried to tap into to to the, the tradition of the church and and uh, and um, I used um, uh, I was looking at the beginning. I was like, man, I have to write this book that Father Ripperger will have to do the peer review. It's got to pass a Nihil Opstop by a Thomist. It's got a, it's an imprimatur by a bishop and it's got to be readable for the average person. So I was sitting there. How could I figure this out? And then I was looking through my old army box and I found my Ranger handbook, the U.S. Army Ranger handbook. And at the, in the front page, it said, not for the weak or faint of heart. And I thought, that's it. 
Spiritual warfare is guerrilla warfare. So I use principles from Rogers Rules from Rangers, tied it together with David and Goliath. David didn't go after with conventional weapons. He tried conventional weapons against Goliath. And he said, look, these things are too heavy for me. I'm not used to this stuff. And he went to and used guerrilla warfare tactics to beat the giant. And I think we're at that point in our in our culture right now in the church as well, that we're, we're going to have to tap into the ancient weapons and we're going to have to kind of go primitive. As it says in the back cover of the book, we fight ancient, we fight an ancient enemy and the ancient weapons are best. And so I try to tap into those ancient weapons in, in this book. Yeah, Dan, you know, you have a military background. Maybe you could mention that very quickly. You have a U.S. Army background. You are a uh, helicopter uh, pilot. Maybe you could just briefly go through that uh, for us real quick, because that that has a lot to do with how you wrote your book and uh, how it's so understandable to those of us in in, uh, in the ministry. Yeah, so I I, I would uh, I was a uh, army officer. I went to uh, you know I went I went to all the all the other army training, uh, airborne, air assault, these other trainings. I went to the army ranger school, and then but I went ultimately was went to become a pilot and. Um, um, and flew a attack uh, Apache, or I'm sorry, Apache Cobra helicopters right when the Apache came in. Um, so I flew uh, Hueys and Cobras right at the time we were transitioning, the Army's transition to Blackhawks and Apaches. So so I was with a CAV unit, 1st Cavalry Division. We were Division CAV. We did scout. Yet the CAV has really three missions. Screen lines, which is they run a screen to, to protect the main body, reconnaissance, and attack. And so you kind of will hear some of those elements uh, in the book. Uh, this is basically uh, a report from a reconnaissance report from the field of, of my experience working with cases at the local diocese is also with sitting at the feet of Kyle Clements and Father Ripperger for many years. And so um, this is a scout report for the for the church militant. This is it is what it says purports to be. It's a, it's a manual. And so it's my background as, as a pilot and military officer in, in my training. It's interesting how that works. You know, it's something that I. I, I got out of the military after the, after Desert Storm. And I just kind of forgot about it, put it away. And years later, you know, I didn't even think about it. I just went, out, went about my life like a lot of veterans, you know. And then down the road, I I don't know, Our Lady just kind of repurposed me. And all these all these ideas came back. And I said, you know, these things actually make sense. Uh, you know, weapons change, uniforms change, but the basic principles of warfare don't change. I was reading, uh, I'm writing a follow-up book for the, to this one. And the, the um, the Battle of Cannae, where where Scipio was there. Scipio was at the battle at Cannae when when Hannibal came in and absolutely wiped out the destroyed almost to a man. Uh, he left maybe one 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 division out of I think seven or eight were there were destroyed, and he used what's called a double envelopment or a pincer maneuver. Hitler used the exact same maneuver in 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 World War II. General Schwarzkopf used versions of lessons from the Battle of Cannae. Um, as well uh, from Hannibal in combat uh, in Desert Storm. So these these tactics, these strategies, these these things work uh, on the field of battle, and they just resurface. And so we're seeing a, a resurgence of the evil one and his ancient tactics. And so you know we're not going to again we're not going to do this. And I say this you know tongue in cheek, humorously, but I mean this. We're not going to beat him with a sugary Jesus. We're going, to, we're going to beat him with with a, the Jesus of Revelation in 1119 who sits on a battle horse and a sword comes out of his mouth and a tattoo that says King of King and Lord of Lords, the name of Jesus that causes hell to tremble. And we're going to beat the enemy also with the holy name of Mary, the queen, the queen of apostles, queen of angels, queen of saints, our warrior queen. This is how the saints saw her. This is how the saints saw her in spiritual combat. And we've minimized that. So resurrecting these concepts and these in these tactics like, hey, guess what? This works. The devil of element worked. 
in, in, in uh, what, 200 or 150 BC, um, before the time of Julius Caesar even, and the double envelopment worked in our own lifetime. No, Dan, that's true. And, you know, again, uh, I, I look forward to the book coming out. I want, I want to be able to read that one as well. But but uh, no, thank you for that. That's that's interesting. And, and yeah, I look forward to the tactics, like you said, that remain, even though the, uh, uh, things in the military change. Uh, thank you for your service. That's uh, beautiful. We look forward to it. But as the audience knows, uh, Jess and I on Mondays have been going through your book. And uh, today, well, I think we're going to do a, a, a show on, on everything you wanted to know about, uh, from an exorcism, exorcism expert, but we're afraid to ask. So that's what we're going to do today. And I wanted to have you start off, Dan, because we're going through the uh, the protocol, the uh, the protocol that uh, Father uh, Ripperger, uh, you know, has has established. So I wanted you to kind of go over the four phases of the protocol and explain that to us as we uh, get into how the uh, how the book works. Right. So the, the book kind of, uh, I mean, you could do this book as a basic regular Catholic who just wants to sharpen your 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 battlefield uh, interior sure. life. You know, there was a I went I went I went on a deer hunt and um and I had a rifle that I needed to zero my, my hunting rifle and I and I so I so who do you who, who who I'm thinking who do I know that's the best and there was a friend of mine is a marine sniper was a marine sniper so we go down to the, the to the to the uh, to the range and he says. Uh, we're trying to zero in my rifle at, I don't know, 300 yards or something. And he says, next time he said, the real killer on the sniper team is the spotter because he can, he said, I can actually see the air movement of the bullet. And I can show you how that works. I mean, it's incredible. And then we went to the pistol range and I had, we had, we're shooting 45s and he, and so he fires three rounds, of course, hits the target, very solid shot group. I fire, they're all over the place. And, uh, and he says, move your right thumb up three quarters of an inch. And I said, okay. And so I moved my right thumb up three quarters of an inch. And sure enough, I hit my target three, three, a decent shot group. And I said, dude, that's, that's insane that you would notice that without even looking at me. And he says, you know, that right thumb, you're holding it like, like, a, like a wheel gun. And you, this, we, this was a revolver, you know, this is a 1911. You got to get your hand grip correct. And he's right. I carried a revolver um, as a pilot. We didn't need a lot. Our weapons were the aircraft. So our, our you know, we carried an, an old, an old six, an old side. I'm like, you probably carried in the early days, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the old service six. So, so, um, so he, uh, uh, so that principle of, of the three quarters of an inch is where we need to be. Uh, so it's, it's the basic discipline is very critical. So spiritual combat and specificity is very important, but we too often look for, uh, um, we, we look for, we treat Jesus like, like it's magic. We think spiritual warfare is, is magic, you know, or everybody says, I want to be a green beret. I want to be a SEAL team six. But they don't realize that those guys were those guys. Everybody is first and foremost goes to basic training and learns the very basic of soldiering before you go to that level. And so the basic of soldiering is 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 a, a, a life order to prayer. So phase one, we have a four phase protocol. And the first phase is is a, a discipline is, is ordering the life to prayer. So it's and, and we have it. We have it out on the app in the app store. You can download it in the app store. Um and uh, in the Google Google Map or Google, what's it called? Google Play. Um, and so basically, it's 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 a withdrawal from the world. Okay, so we begin with a 30-day prayer protocol withdrawal from the world. I'll get into that in the next segment. But the but here's the final principle: the demon responds to the imposition of orders. Must Hold your thought, Dan. Hold your thought. We'll be right back. There. Sorry. Thank you. Now. Back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Okay, Jesus 911, we're back. We are uh, here with uh, my special guest, Dr. Dan Schneider, who wrote the book that Jess and I are going over on uh, on Monday mornings. Uh, Dan, you were explaining the phases of the protocol, and you were just finishing up on phase one. So go ahead and finish your thought. So, so the principle of phase one is, is a couple of things. Uh, one, that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. So we have to impose order. A life must be ordered to prayer. And and part of it is, and part of that order is to is to start establishing some perimeters on the interiority. So I use the 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 in the book, I use the, the image of the wire, which the wire is what connected the Claymore mines that provided the exterior perimeter for the soldiers protecting the, the base camp or the combat outpost. These are these are timeless measures that we use uh, for, for protecting our, 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 our soldiers, our camp. So so uh, having that interiority protected, it comes through prayer. I started off in the introduction with a quote from Father Amorth, and he says that he says, here's what he says, that one good confession is worth 100 exorcisms. He says that confession is stronger than exorcism. Satan is more enraged when we take souls away from him through confession than when we take away bodies through exorcism. Penance is the most direct means to fight Satan because it tears souls from the demon's grasp, strengthens against sin, unites more closely to God, and helps to conform the soul increasingly to the divine will. So the, the power of the sacrament of confession needs to be at play. So we have to first get them praying and withdrawing from the world uh, and, and get out of this idea that, that it's just one or two prayers. Pray for me, and it's just pain relief. Oftentimes, people show up at the diocese or the parish, and they go to the exorcist, and, and they'll spend years sometimes praying for people and not getting liberation because they have all sorts of interior attachments. And here's what Father Moore says. There's always a strong temptation for charismatics, sensitives, and exorcists of finding the quickest way to heal by going outside the common sacred means to obtaining grace. And these people unwittingly fall into the trap of superstition or magic. So we, we can fall into to this really kind of superstitious idea that we just need to, to uh, come up with a secret prayer. We have to start getting a foundation first. And in uh, the first phase is designed to to die. It's a diagnostic phase, actually. It'll tell us how much of this is psychological and how much of it is actually spiritual. It'll 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 pattern out in a certain way, and in that establishment of order, we'll know how to proceed. Um, psychological trauma is going to going to rise up. Um, moral defects, uh, blockages in the sacramental constructs. You know, uh, irregular marriages, fornication deviant sexual behavior all these things are going to rise in and come out come out during the first phase and so it's establishing the order praying uh it's it's actually pretty simple it's you're praying 6 12 and 6 you're praying the the auxilium christianorum prayers uh the angelus first and the auxilium prayers and there's a couple other prayers added depending on your your sacramental status and then the hard part for people is it's the what it's a it's a it's a social media withdrawal um, it's it's a dry walk into the desert. You can you can read uh, the daily mass readings. If you're already praying the rosary, you can continue to pray the rosary. But we're trying to establish prayer, a, a, a life order to prayer. And the first first we can't just say, hey, let me do Lexio Divina. Let me show you how to do deep Lexio Divina and meditative prayer or, 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 or you know, 
uh, um, meditation, uh, you know, they're not ready. Their minds are all over the place. They have no order, no discipline. They have to learn that discipline like a soldier. They have to learn the discipline first, and, and that's vocal prayer. So remember, there's three phases of three types, basically, of prayer. Vocal prayer, uh, um, mental prayer, and then contemplative prayer. So people that come in need to learn uh, vocal prayer first at set times and praying with your body. And that prayer discipline is very important. At the end of 30 days, it'll cycle towards one way or the other, whether it's psychological or not. I've had many exorcists come and they'll say, uh, um, you know, people will come to me and say, I've been going to the exorcist and he, he started praying over me and it's just getting worse. And, and, and now I think um, I, I, Jesus can't even help me. And, and a lot of it has to, to do with uh, if there's no discernment, whether it's psychological or spiritual, you're doing a disservice to the individual. I've met people that said, yeah, Father so-and-so prayed over me. Nothing happened. And so it really must be bad. But the demon stands right over your shoulder and says, see, Jesus can't help you. Even even Jesus can't help you. And it's psychological oftentimes. So we got to discern the psychological and get that under control in the first phase. Now, Dan, the church doesn't decide... Uh, you know, for example, when a, a exorcism or deliverance will take place or, or when or where, um, and, and neither does it decide, uh, what I want to do is ask the opposite question, actually. So is there a point where the uh, exorcism is, is impeded by psychological means and, and the church uh, is able to determine that? And how do they determine that? At the, at the end of our, at the end of our, our, um, at the end of the 30 days, if you do it correctly, it's going to cycle. It's going to it's going to pattern in a certain way. The demon patterns. He's the most regulated, uh, rigidly regulated creature in the cosmos. It will pattern a certain way, whether it's ob obsession, oppression, obsession, possession or psychological. If they do the prayers, it will pattern. And this is what we're kind of watching for. If it's psychological, we're going to continue working with the psychological. It doesn't mean it's either or it's usually it's it's both wherever there's the wounded human. You have the wounded, traumatized, fallen angel that's going to be right there. The predator is going to seek the that that wounded human. So getting the psychological under control because a psychological obsession can lead to a spiritual oppression or higher. You've got to get the psychological obsession, whether it's addictions or a trauma, wounds. When Father Father Morth talks about the ordinary means of obtaining sacred, the ordinary common sacred means of obtaining grace, he's talking about the sacraments. So you could, you know, many years we would pray over people at the local diocese and I would sit down and we would get them ready for prayer. And I would ask them, hey, did you go to confession? Did you go to mass this weekend? No, the demon won't let me. OK, did you go to confession because you're in a state of mortal sin? No, the demon won't let me. Priest comes out, beats the demon up. Guess what? It just gets worse. Right. Because the person has no protection of the sacraments. You were law enforcement. What happens when you show up? What is it? What's the, the nomenclature when when is a domestic violence call? Oh, uh, like four one one or four fifteen or whatever. Four, oh, I see. Yeah, right, right. It's uh, yeah, it's a four fifteen family. Yeah. Four fifteen family. So you show up at a four fifteen family. And by the time you get there, the furniture's all thrown around, the drapes and pulled off the wall. She's got a black eye. His shirt is torn, and you walk in, and she says, "It's my fault. I didn't mean it. I, it was my fault. Don't take him away. I love him." You see, because you she's got this psychological enmeshment with her abuser, and so you take him away. She's now you, you put him in. He spends a night in the jail. He comes back the next day. And what does he do? He beats the crap out of her. Why did you call in your, the police? You call these guys in and he's going to punish her for that because she has no protection. And part of the protection, she has no psychological separation. 
part of the six phases of liberation is one of the key phases before you go into the battle phase is separation. So that separation, because, you know, remember Mike Tyson when he fought back in the day, what was the strategy? You would punch, punch, they would one, two, grab, right? Uh, uh, several fighters did this one, two, and then they'd smother him. And all Mike had to do, he would step back. He would step back about three inches. He would get this big, huge, heavy body leaning on him. He'd step back two or three inches and he'd throw an uppercut. He would need about two inches, three inches of separation and a six inch uppercut. He was knocking guys out, Trevor Bobic and some of these other guys. I mean, knocked him out in a horrible way with just a little bit of separation. So if there's no separation, you can, the, the priest can't get his gloves on this guy because the person, the guy's hiding, the demon's hiding intertwined with a psychological woundedness of the individual. So you need psychological separation, meaning they've got to start recognizing. And you're not going to do that unless you pull away from, from media, television, uh, Golden Bachelor. you got to turn all that garbage off and focus on Christ, focus on prayer, focus on the Gospels. And so you can start to discern this is the, this is the, the voice of the demon. This is not my voice. The demons projecting. They got to start catching the di diabolic projections to get psychological separation. They need to get moral separation, meaning the demons projecting certain sins and he's holding behind those sins. So he's projecting and, and, and tempting you to certain falling into certain pattern sins. You got to start catching what sins that he's now that he's now hiding behind that you got to you got to you got to separate yourself yourself from psychologically and and of course spiritually. Um, through the sacrament of confession, and you've got to and you've got to get separation doctrinally. This is what most people don't understand: that the demon enters through sin, but he holds through heresy. So, in every case of possession, nearly every case of possession that I've been involved with, there is some aspect of heresy, and um, and normally there's an a Marian heresy, a heresy about some dogma of the Virgin Mary, some declared dogma, or one of the, the doctrine of the Virgin Mary is co-redemptrix, mediatrix, advocate the rejection of the perpetual virginity, et cetera, because the demon fuels, feeds himself in the disobedience of heresy. And so you have, to, you have to start conforming your mind to the mind of the church and yielding to the authority and the teaching office of the church and the truth of the Roman Catholic faith. So that separation and those three elements need to start taking place. And, and, and then the demon suddenly separates and he's now holding in the, he holds in the body, but you've got to separate that enmeshment and they have to start pushing away and that only comes over time then it's interesting because you say the uh that the doctrinal misunderstanding or or ignorance of, of the faith so uh are, are there instances when you recall that uh you're questioning somebody and uh, maybe you said something about the virgin mary and they said well what do you mean i don't i don't understand that i don't believe that is there some uh, uh moment when all of a sudden the light shines on and that's the issue that's what's going on yeah, you you see you see there's often a holding point. So it, it, you know when when you guys the National Guard or the police recruiters go to the state fair, they have that climbing wall, you know that that young people can climb, you know, right. and so that's what recruiters do. So that you can climb up a, a wall, and there's two ways: you can either have a, a something sticking out, a protrusion, or you can have a crevice going inward. So the thing the things that stick out. Or the or the things that you can put your hand handholds you can go into right so the you so so the so heresy can either be through uh, um, ignorance or it could be a, a willful rejection 
But either way, those are the handholds that the demon can 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 hold on to. You can either willfully reject it, or they can just be complete ignorances. And so we the, the they have to get the side of that wall sheer and clean um, from all wrong wrong misunderstandings. Uh, um, uh, uh, misunderstandings. Saint Paul yeah. says we we have we tear down strongholds. Right, every argument against every argument against god so it's when the when the, the demons so it, so those are the areas that, that the hair said you, that you need to hold on you know and I, we had one one instance it was the feast of the annunciation and on those feast days you have such tremendous coverage it's incredible it's like it's like you just have amazing coverage and 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 so i started explaining preservative redemption right to somebody who's had no theological training i'm explaining preservative redemption and how how God can you know the graces uh, of Calvary, the merits of Calvary applied can be applied after someone falls into the pit of sin, which is original sin, and those graces pull pull humanity out. But God, in a special way, starts start explaining it. God, in a special way, preserved the Virgin Mary through the merits of Calvary because God's outside of time. And I'm explaining this, and 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 the demon manifests during this catechetical session and says, Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. Preserver to redemption, blessed Dunscotus. I've heard this all before. So, so the demon has good. He's got. He, he knows his his Catholic encyclopedia. You know, yeah. I've heard the demon say during session. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that afterward. But yeah, the, so so those holding points is what he's holding behind. And when you reveal those, it it creates an outrage in the demon, and they start. You could see the block. Be right back. Be right back, Jeff. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Welcome back, Jesus 911. We have uh, Dr. Dan Schneider with us today uh, explaining his uh, his book uh, uh, that he came out with, uh, Spiritual uh, Manual for Combat. Uh, Dan, you're uh, finishing up with uh, the... Um, uh, phase uh, well, we talked about phase one. We talked about some of the holding points. Did you have a final thought with the holding points uh, there, or you want to move on to uh, right? So the found that yeah. So the, so phase one sets the foundation. You know, um, there are certain movements. You you would be much better with a weapon. When I go to the when I go to a range, I go with a marine or a former former infantry or law enforcement. Law enforcement guys understand it because you're out there in the streets, and so you have to know. And, and when you pull your weapon. You have the same mechanics every time, right? Every time you have to have the same mechanics, you know, unless you're a, a, a desk, you're riding the desk and you're, you know what I mean? But the, the cops in the field, they have to, yeah. you know, you, they have to have the same mechanics. And so you have to have a foundation of prayer to start getting that critical separation. And so that so that so the first phase is important to do. And it's really kind of like the Exodus 90. You've heard about the Exodus 90 program that a lot of men do and get a lot of good fruit. And all it is, is it's starting to use your body engage we're not just in our heads the demon wants us to try to just fight him with thoughts and we're not going to fight him that way we have to gauge bodily you know when jesus when, when jesus delivered the boy with the demon he's he the disciples asked him how how was it that this uh you could drive the demon out and we couldn't he said this type this janos can only come out through prayer and fasting and so we fasting isn't just fasting from uh, uh food uh, or meat, meatless Fridays, which every Catholic should be doing now in these cr crazy times. Um, uh, but but fasting from from uh, video, for fasting from these dumb things, these phones, um, fasting from social media, 
fasting from from little comforts, fasting from hot water once in a while, fasting from sleeping in, fasting from snoozing, small little engagement with the body. St. Therese of Lisieux became a doctor of the church through a little way of holiness by learning to offer all little sacrifices up. And so uh, so so that's part of it. Um, so part of the, the first phase is the laid foundation and liver. And so we have we have a. a uh, a section on the sacraments, a section on the Virgin Mary, a section on making a good confession. Um, so these are all elements. So, there, so we, if the demon holds through, enters through sin, holds through heresy, and holds through wounds and feeds off of wounds. So, what do we do with that? And going back to Father Amorth, the uh, when people try to find the quickest way to heal by going outside the common sacred means to obtain grace. What are those common sacred means? Because the inner logic of the book is really that. The most the most ordinary and common means is the sacrament of confession. One confession is worth one good confession is worth a hundred exorcisms. So getting people to confess deeply, uncover where the enemy's at. Another area is learn is learning to pray. So establishing a baseline of prayer. So they have a dis a life order to prayer. Saint Catherine of Siena said, "Doctor of the Church, everyone should pray at least thirty minutes a day." She said, "Unless they're busy." She said, and then they should pray for an hour. Yeah. So we have to start praying, but we, we can't go straight to mental prayer because their minds are everywhere. Their minds, most people can't even pray. We got a great podcast. You, you know, Father Ripper does some great stuff. You know what I mean? Jesse does great stuff. Terry and Jesse, there's all kind of good podcasts out there. Taylor Marshall, that's not prayer though. You, It's good to listen to these and, 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 and nourish your faith, but prayer is communication with God, spending, spending time. So over, so each section, there are certain prayers that they're introduced to um, that, that are keyed to Father Ripperger's deliverance prayers for the laity. So they can start with vocal prayer, but over time, I introduce uh, how to do mental prayer and Lexio Divina. So prayer is important. And then trauma. How do we deal with trauma, psychological trauma? Maria Goretti is the is the, the model that I use. And we dif differentiate between violence, which is objective, and trauma, or the traumatic response is the subjective response to trauma to, to a violent event. Christ suffered no trauma, perfectly conformed in his suffering to the will of the Father. Maria Goretti died defending her purity, begging her attacker not to commit this mortal sin and endanger his soul. And then her prayer saved him. And he was present with her mother at her canonization ceremony. I mean, it's a beautiful story of grace. And so learning how and learning how to do that. And how do we do that? We have to learn how to suffer, how to offer our suffering in a redemptive way. Voluntary, the technical term, voluntary vicarious atonement. What does this mean? Learning how to offer our suffering up uh, uh, because the demon rejects the concept of voluntary vicarious atonement. And so learning to, how to use our surfing, what our moms and grandmas would teach us when we were little, offer it up. Hey, I didn't, I got cut from the football team. The, my girl, the girlfriend broke up me is going to the prom with another guy, offer it up. What does that mean? You know, we've learned this, but now we're putting it uh, in, into practical form. So okay. ordinary. So the set, the phase two is prayer, confession, deep confession, developing virtue, um, to overcome the vices, and then working on psychological trauma, linking your suffering to the sufferings of Christ in a practical and, way. Yes, and, and then so for example, you talked about the sacrifice and, and the sufferings, and uh, we, you know the book talks about attaching it to the to the passion of Christ. But um, what uh, that's something the demons can't do. The demons can't suffer or or ask for uh, offer that up. So so is there there what's the issue there? What's what's 
What's yeah, that it, it goes back to two things on the positive side. Uh, St. Uh, Faustina said that if the angels could envy us, if they were capable of envy, they would envy us for two things, that we can receive communion, but also that we can suffer because they're disembodied. They, they, they don't have the body. They can't receive Jesus Christ bodily on their tongues. They have to receive him intellectually, right? Effectively, but not, not bodily. Um, but also they can't unite their suffering and be so close to the suffering redeemer that they can enter into the mystery, not only of suffering, but in the distribution of graces. You know, St. Paul says, I rejoice in my suffering for in my body, I make up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ's body, which is the church, Colossians 124. Um, Philippians, I think it's 129. For you has been appointed not only to believe, but to suffer for the name. So we enter into, and how can it be that if Jesus says it is finished, St. Paul says something's lacking. Well, what's lacking? Our subjective distribute it, our, our, our participation subjectively in the distribution of graces of that Christ acquired objectively on Calvary. Our participation in the distribution of those graces is key. And so uh, that's on the on the positive side. And so we see cases as they're moving. Towards the, the closer they get towards learning to offer their suffering and enter into the redemptive act of Calvary, that that um, they they become they become holier, and that's how the separation often comes. You know, one one priest called me. He said, "Dan, I've been praying over this guy, and he did this. He did this satanic ceremony. He did, did this. He's describing all this strange stuff, you know. And he said, "How do I get him out? What prayer do I pray to get him, get him out of it?" And I said, "I don't know." And he's like, "Dude, you wrote the book. What do you mean you don't know?" I'm like, hey, I knew this Jewish carpenter once who was an exorcist, and uh, he said that this type comes out only with prayer and prayer and fasting. He said, I'm fasting so much, my clothes are falling, my clerics are falling off me. And I said, Father, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, you and the team members need to, to, to fast and pray for God's mercy, for your own protection as much as anything else. But I'm talking about that guy. He's the guy that did the ceremony. He's got to start doing atonement for his sins, for, for committing the gravest of sins. And the first commandment says, um, those who hate me, who follow other gods, I will curse the, th the third and the fourth generation. So he's got to do penance for that. He's got to enter into penitential posture. And so that posture is something on the negative side that demon despises. When a demon was created, an angel, I'm sorry, when an angel was created, all of the angels were created good. They're given a vision of God. They're given a vision of themselves in light of the beatific vision. The plan of God, the, the, the plan of salvation from beginning to the incarnation to the consummation at the end of time, they're, they're giving that uh, of God becoming man. They see a vision of how they're going to serve within that plan, which includes the church, you and me, but ultimately includes the, 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 the body of Christ, the church, and the Virgin Mary, queen, uh, a mother of the Redeemer, who was prophesied from the beginning to crush the head of the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15. And they, they're offered, they have to make a choice. Will I serve or will I not? And the, and, and the, the words from the, the prophets say that uh, using allegory, non-servium, I will not serve a God that takes a form lower than me. So in the rejection to lower themselves and offer that suffering is the essence of the fall of the demon. So they completely and totally reject suffering. And when we suffer and offer it, in union with the suffering of Christ, our suffering now becomes redemptive and it becomes our bodies now become angelic and we and we enter into the into into a higher realm of prayer. And so the demons reject that. And so this is why we get such resistance interiorly. St. Augustine, I could give you a, a lecture on Augustine and the effect of the fall and why 
those things that we that uh, the effect, even though we're, we're the state of grace is restored through baptism, concupiscence remains, and those things that were once uh, um, that were given to us, the goods to preserve our species to live a life in honor of God, we now become uh, um, we misuse those food, sex, drink, sleep. Um, these things we now become, we come, we abuse them now. We misuse them to preserve our lives. And so when we learn to offer these things up, we, and we, we, we now do battle. We do battle with an angelic type prayer. So this is why su- learning and how do we do it? We offer our suffering up, um, you know, uh, uh, for example, one of the good prayers that we use that, that Kyle wrote, it's called the judo prayer. Um, Lord, I'm, I'm suffering. Uh, I'm experiencing pain. I'm experiencing anxiety. I'm experiencing, um, whatever anger, hatred, impurity, uh, neck pain, you know, knee pain, whatever. If this is not from you and is diabolic in its origin. We, I ask you to send it back to its source with a tenfold blessing. But if you want me to carry this cross, I willfully accept it. I ask you for the grace to carry it. And I offer it up for the church, the bishop, when you, when the demon punishes you and you start offering up your suffering for the Pope, for Bishop Strickland, for your bishop, for your pastor, for the man who sexually abused you when you were a child, for your father who abandoned you, right? When you start offering up your suffering in that way, the demon will flee. He will find a softer target. It torments the demon when that happens. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Though, Dan. Here's the, here's a question. So when uh, when I, as a team member uh, of a deliverance exorcism team, um, hear the prayers going on, the duration of the of the sessions are are, are continuing, going longer than I than I expected to. Uh, what should I be thinking about what we're doing wrong? And I'll, I'll get the answers from you after the break. But what should I be thinking of uh, to suggest to the priest or to uh, just kind of get a better idea of what? in its entirety is happening and what we could uh, help uh, liberate this person quick more quickly this is jesus 911 we'll be right back don't go away now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151 Okay, Jesus and I are back for our final uh, session here, our final segment, I should say. Um, Danny, you were about to answer a question that I asked. What should I be thinking as a team member to suggest in the event things start going longer than uh, anybody's expected, really? Yeah, and they are going longer. We're getting very, very few liberations on the on this cases of, of high-level obsession and of possession. They're going on almost endlessly uh, at a minimum two years. Things that would take, Father Ripperker would say, uh, before 1960, it would take two, three weeks. If you went a month in prayer, that was long. Now it's 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 getting uh, it's taking a long time because we, we're we're living in a time of of of, of really strong. The enemy's gotten very strong, and so we have to just be aware of that. Number one, we have to remember that's not up to us; it's up to God. We're here to accompany. We're here to mentor. We're, we're you know we're, our job is especially as lay team members is to help uncover, uh, help them to uncover those areas. Of that that grace is being blocked in their lives, looking for what are the holding points of sin, repeated sin, mortal sin that they haven't confessed, getting them to tap into the ordinary means of obtaining, obtaining grace, which is the sacrament of confession and the Holy Eucharist, prayer and suffering. 
also understand that you can pray over somebody all day long. Um, if they're not in a state of grace, you're not going to get a liberation. If they're not psychologically separating from the demon, you're not going to get a liberation. If they're living in habitual sin, you're not going to get a liberation. So we have to know that, you know, I hear this fallacy. We need to pray for them to free up their will. That's not true. The will is sovereign. I can give you a lecture on what, what Suri Uris means philosophically. The will is sovereign. The most operant power in the universe is, is the human will that our, our human will could even reject the will of God, thwart the will of God, because God honors our will. And so we have to understand that we, the, the, the discipline of prayer and the time involved helps increase their own will, strengthens their will. They strengthen their own will. And there, there has to be an active agency in liberation, their agency, not just the agency of the church, their agency and their own liberation. Because all liberation at the end of the day is self-liberation. At the end, really is. Even when they're even when you even when it's possession and you need a, a, a mandated priest to drive the demon out, they're not going to be liberated until God says, and he's seen enough grace pour out into the family, and he sees that their will is strong enough, and then he will bring about liberation. So uh um we, they, we need to help them see where the demons at the psychologically uh, uh, spiritually morally intellectually and 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 also we see god's not going to allow liberation until there's order we have to get order in the home and part and, I, and you know we used to do what a lot of teams do where you've got 70 i've been on in cases where you got eight guys holding somebody down then you have a 14 year old girl throwing a throwing a guy out picking them up and throwing them across the room. I've seen a 14-year-old girl take a ring, a, a, a holy blessed ring off her hand, squeeze it and make it oblong. You know, I mean, you just, you know, we would hold, we would spend time and just take beatings. And so uh, with the Libra Cristo model, there's no handlers. By the time they get to, so we got the second phase is what we're talking about. Third phase is, is minor exorcism. By the time they get there, the priest the the person has learned uh, um, some docility and their will is strengthened and they can control. They're not there. It's not just this crazy climb up the wall stuff anymore because they're under they're they're disciplined. And so the the, the priest can maintain control uh, without. So the lay people are there just praying to protect the priest in case of, an, you know, the demon does something crazy. But so we, we've stopped using handlers. And so and, and also one of the things is is. I can tell you my observation. You've probably seen this too. You take the, the, the demon looks around the room and you or me, we're, we're meat sacks. You think he cares that I have a PhD? You think it impresses him? Does it impress him that you were a cop and then you have, you know what I mean? You're not impressive. We don't impress him at all. That priest is what he's terrified. That's the persona of Christ. But the other person he sees in the room is the husband, if it's a woman. And so we had a case where pre-COVID, we dropped out of the system. We came back, put them on the protocol, reset them. First, they said, oh, no, we're going to need a ton of team members. That father, all you're going to need is, is two people, a, a, a couple, a woman witness and her husband to watch and pray, and this lady's husband. No, no, we can't do it. I mean, yeah, you go, you say mass, you make them make the demon drink the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that, and then have the husband lay his hands on her. And so in that this particular case, the husband, father, the demon starts going wild. And the father says, husband, put your hands over your wife's head and just hold your hands there in blessing of your wife and you command this demon to, to to back off and so he's just praying there quietly and this woman that would take eight men to hold down six months prior was completely sub no the, the demon wasn't happy don't get me wrong but was su completely subdued by the by the hands because by natural law remember the first rule of engagement the demon will we, the demon's going to ask the person is the person who's telling me to leave 
do they have the, the requisite authority over the person and place of the object? If you don't have the authority, the demon's not going to leave. He doesn't have to. You might rock his world a little bit. And the name of Jesus is going to cause some pain to him. You, you know what I mean? But that husband's hands, he has to respect the natural law authority of the husband. So the husband's hands are as efficacious as the hands of the priest or the stole of the priest. I've seen this firsthand, and I'm sure you have as well. So getting that order, getting the husband to start engaging at home, driving, you know, pounding the demon through prayer. You're not welcome here. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this home. So he's not going to do that unless he's in a state of grace. So we got to get the whole family back into a state of grace and praying together and getting order in the home. Because when the woman will yield to her husband's authority, the demon will now begin to yield to the authority structure in the home, but also the authority of the church, the, the authority of Christ in the church. Priest, right? Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, people don't realize that, that of course, you know, this can't be a husband that's disordered. He has to be ordered, like he just mentioned. Uh, he has to be uh, faithful. He has to be prayerful. And if that's not happening in the home, then then he doesn't have the requisite authority either at that point. So it has to be uh, not just a person that's afflicted, but it has to be a, a part of the, of the family that, that will support them in prayer. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, what are the, yeah, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, he has the authority, um, but that authority is compromised, you know. Yes, so he has the authority. So, so you have the authority, you're a cop, and you have the authority to pull me over. But if if you're if you're on the take, right? And, and you know what I mean, and you're dirty, yeah, you got the authority, but I got something on you. So listen, I appreciate you pulling me over, but I, I'd also appreciate it if you get me out of this ticket. Yeah. Right? You have the authority yeah. to do it, you should do it, but I'm going to pull one. I'm going to call in a favor for you to get me out of this speeding ticket, this parking ticket, whatever, because you're compromised, morally compromised. And so part of the work of phase two is getting that order in place, getting the husband to engage. So we start directing all fire, beginning with the husband, getting everybody praying. And so when the priest comes to pray, it's a lot easier work. Right, right. Dad, one of the things that you talk about in the book is the need for forgiveness. So can you give us a couple of tips on that in the few minutes that we have left? Because, you know, a lot of people believe that that uh, forgiveness, there has to be some kind of spiritual amnesia then uh, uh, that we have to forget the, these offenses occurred. So what would be a, a good thing to uh, realize when you're trying to forgive somebody, whether it be somebody that you deal with all the time or somebody from the past? Yeah, forgiveness is one of the holding one of the major holding points. So we, there's 12 lessons in the book, but. And it's obvious, you know, yeah, sexual deviancy, we got to work on that. Um, I got to confess all my occult activity, the demon, you know, I, I did a pact or whatever. But what people don't understand is the power of unforgiveness, the, the, the negative power, and how the demon holds in unforgiveness. Anything that we do that is, that is diabolic in nature, um, disordered in nature, rebellion in nature, the rebellion, disordered demon is going to be there. And imagine it, the state of, of complete unforgiveness he lives in. Every case of possession, there's always a lingering unforgiveness at the end before before liberation comes. It could be unforgiveness of God, unforgiveness of the person that that hurt you, that got you in this mess. Because some people are just honestly, they were they were victims as a child, maybe. You know what I mean? But then later they participated and they they went down the wrong path. And they might they might not forgive that person that robbed them of a normal, healthy childhood. So they got to come to that unforgiveness. And oftentimes, the more common is not forgiving oneself. God has nothing. We have no. God has not done nothing for us that we have to forgive Him. 
but we have the demon projecting. You see, God didn't protect you. Where's the Virgin Mary now? She didn't protect you either. Now look at you. You see, so who's going to project that? But oftentimes it's unforgiveness of self. But unforgiveness is it's like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And so learning to let go of those things willfully, it's hard. And, and so but this is a disordered area that that the demon holds in, particularly when there's cases. I mean, curses involved, unforgiveness and powers, the, the, the continual activity of the curse in someone's life. Yeah, that, that brings another point up that I wanted to ask you about um, uh, generational sin. Is, is there is there such a thing? I've heard it explained that there is that there's not generational sin. Can you yeah. just kind of briefly go over that? Yeah, so so um, I, part of the next book I'm writing, uh, I'm either it's either going to be a third book or half of this book is going to be on generation or sin or what St. Augustine would call inherited guilt. And so there's a lot of confusion on this. Um, but if you understand uh, grace and theology, um, the you know, there, it's 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 more clear and the church has already gone through this. If you go all the way back to the right, well, you go back to scripture and, and, and Deuteronomy and the giving and the giving of the Ten Commandments to those who hate me. I will curse to the third and fourth generation. So what he means by that, and those who hate, um, he lists off offering worship to false gods. And so in, in Psalm 96, 5, the, the gods of the demons are, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. And so by offering false worship, um, I will curse, he says, to the third and fourth generation. So, so what does it look like? Um, so you got to understand the twofold effect of sin. Because God said this and his justice and his ways are not our ways and our justice. So it isn't that. Um, so, the, so if you look at the catechism, the catechism says the twofold effect of sin is the, is the spiritual effect and the temporal effect of sin. And so, you know, let's say you pull a guy over for drunk driving and he's a truck driver, the CDL. He gets a DWI. He loses his license. He loses his license. He loses his job. He goes to jail. So he suffers the punishment for his sin. But the temporal effects are felt by his family, right? He, right. So now they suffer lack. They suffer want. They they have to give up. They're not, they, you know what I mean? They don't have the, they don't have full meals. They don't have, you know what I mean? They they eat less. They they, they got to pull them out of Catholic school. They have to work. They now have to get a job. They have to quit the football team and now go get a job to help mom pay the bills. Because of dad's sin, the temporal effect is felt. This is, this is what the catechism says, a twofold effect of sin. And so, and so. Um, uh, and, and this is so St. Augustine was arguing with the with the Pelagians uh, in the in the fifth century. So Augustine's a doctor of grace, saying that th and he was showing how this this uh, this phenomenon shows the effect of original sin. And the original sin is the original generational curse that entered into humanity. And a curse is basically think of a curse as the lack of the protection of blessing. So it isn't as this active thing as much as there's no longer the protection that blessing comes with that comes with blessing does that make sense yeah that makes perfect sense thank you Dad. we're gonna have to leave it right there we're up to the end here uh everybody stay tuned for gary matuda uh dan snyder thank you so much for uh uh helping me along with this for uh you know getting our understanding to a point where we can uh we can uh, self-deliver even if we just need to correct a few things in our life this book can do it for you uh it's uh Deeper Crystal Method, a manual for spiritual combat. Dan Snyder, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless. Thank it's you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll talk to you later. God bless you.